Welcome back to the Jordan Syatt Mini Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I am excited to be back from my wedding honeymoon in Greece. It was an amazing trip. So if you sent me a message on Instagram, I want to say thank you for that. I really appreciate it. With that being said, I have an awesome podcast for you today. It is with Inner Circle member Terry Ann. She's amazing. So just for some background, she is 48 years old, perimenopausal, has PCOS, and in the last year, she's lost 25 pounds. Keeping in mind, she's only four foot eight, right? So I know for a lot of shorter people, myself included, weight loss can be very difficult, not to mention uh, has PCOS, perimenopausal, just at a point where so many people give up because they feel like it just isn't going to work for them anymore. And in this podcast, we talk about a lot, but Terry Ann shares her story and what she's done to achieve these goals. Uh, she's She has one of the best strategies I've ever heard for how to get more protein in if you're not hitting your protein intake. So we talk a lot about that. We talk about uh, how to present uh, food and nutrition to your kids. If, if that's something that you're not sure, like, oh, I don't know if I want my kids to see, if I want my kids to see me weighing or measuring my food. We talk a lot about that. Uh, so there's a lot in here. But I'm going to stop talking. Have a wonderful day. Enjoy the episode. I'm just rambling right now. By the way, if you haven't joined the Inner Circle yet, do it. Link is in the show notes, sfinnercircle.com. Uh, our app is getting amazing feedback. It's a members-only app, so you can't get it in the app store. Uh, but it's we have a huge update coming as well. Probably in the, in the first week of January, this new update is going to come through. Big, big, big changes and improvements, but we'd love to have you in the inner circle. All right, enough rambling. Let's get to the episode. Perfect. We are live. Terry Ann, how are you? Yeah, I'm great. How are you? I'm really good. I'm very, very excited about this. I'm yeah, very excited too. to talk to you. Just before we dive in, just do me a favor and tell me more about yourself. Like, where are you from? What do you do? I just want to get to know you a little bit better. Yeah, I I am a Canadian girl. live in southern Ontario in the Niagara region. It's beautiful here. We're surrounded by lakes and water. It's lovely. Um, my husband and I just celebrated our 25th anniversary in August. Wow. Congrats. Yeah. That's Thanks. amazing. I know. And congrats to you. You're newlyweds. Thank you. Thank you. I, I, we've got a lot to, uh, a, a long way to go before we are on your level. So it's a huge inspiration, but thank you. That yeah. means a lot. Yeah. Awesome. Um, yeah, we've got two boys they are 17 and 14 and, uh, we live a good life. <laughs> That's amazing. Can't, can't complain. Let, let me ask you this. Um, yeah. do you find it harder now that your boys are older or like what, what was, what's the hardest age? Gosh, <laughs> honestly, with the first child as a newborn, maybe, maybe it's a woman thing. I don't know, but that was a difficult time in life. It was, uh, just coping with new motherhood and recovery. And that was, that was difficult. He was a difficult child, like difficult was he? baby. Just as a baby, he was demanding and it was overwhelming as a, as a new mom. But both my kids are so chill, they're easygoing, they're smart, they're funny, they're awesome kids. So I think they've made motherhood pretty easy throughout this entire journey. So yeah. That's awesome. That's very yeah. nice. Mm -hmm. and, and have you lived in Ontario your whole life? 
my whole life. I live just blocks away from where I grew up. I, no way. Yeah, yeah. It's just it's a great place to live. It's it's lovely. We're close to the we're close to the border. Not that we can go anywhere right now, but we're, <laughs> we can if we want. Um, yeah, it's a great place to raise a family. That's amazing. I love yeah. it. I love it. So so. I, I read what uh, what you'd like to talk about. I mean, I, I'm very excited to hear your story. Uh, I know you said you want to talk about how 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 you've lost 25 pounds or so in the last year, and and strength training has improved so much. But I, I don't mm. want to. I, I just want to hear from you, and and I'm open to talk about literally anything you want. So I, I want to give you the floor and, and sort of just and hear hear from you. Yeah. Well. Here's the most important thing you need to know about me is that I'm only four feet, eight inches tall. I am probably one of your tiniest inner circle members. <laughs> <laughs> I know you have a few short people, beautiful shorties, but I might be the shortest. Um, I'm also 48 years old, perimenopausal with PCOS. So I have some challenges when it came to fat loss, and I struggled with that throughout my pretty much my entire adulthood. And I tried my story's no different than so many others, but I tried so many methods and they what were always What did you try? So, oh gosh. Uh, no, you don't have dairy. to name everything, but I, I want to no, know like, no, what no, are some of the big ones yeah. in general, like restricting, right? No dairy, no gluten, no sugar. No, <laughs> it, this was all in one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it was so restrictive. And of course it's so short lived because as I'm clipping along with these diets, I think I can do this. This is great. Weight comes off. You feel great. And then I end up craving and that binge and restrict cycle that's just so common. And then throw in all the fitness fads that I've tried too. I've done Taibo. Do you remember Taibo? Oh, I remember Taibo. Yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> I'm dating myself here, but Taibo and P90X. And I took up running, which I enjoyed, but I did it for the wrong reasons. I did it to earn and burn those calories, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And oh gosh, I've done yoga, Pilates, and just all sorts of things. And I could never seem to combine the nutrition with the fitness. It was either one or the other, because doing both just seems so overwhelming. Mm -hmm. And so I would run and I would train for these 5k races and eat garbage and wonder why I can't PR my time. Or I would not incorporate strength training with my running because I thought to be a better runner, you just need to keep running and that's not necessarily true. So I was interested in things, but I never committed to anything. So this became a new mantra of mine about a year ago was commitment over interest. So I wow. wanted you I like that? Love that. <laughs> I, I can't take credit. That. I read it somewhere. I did. I read it and it stuck with me. And so do, do you know where you read it by chance? Oh, I wish. I wish. I'm gonna find it and I'll let you know. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. I, it was on Instagram. That's, that's beautiful. It, mm -hmm. It's it's really very eloquent. And, and I think yeah. a, at, at first listen, someone might hear that and be like, no, but that it's very powerful. Yeah. Because these interests came and went mm -hmm. because I just became obsessively passionate about these things that I thought I could, I could do this for the rest of my life. And 
well, I do P90X for months at a time, five, six days a week. And the instructor would say, how many times are you working out? Two or three? How's that working out for you? <laughs> I thought, oh, shit, I'm doing this five, six days a week then. And Wait, I that's what just, they said? They're like, how's that working out for <laughs> how's you? How's that working out for you? What a dick. <laughs> <laughs> so totally, I'm a new person. I don't listen to that stuff anymore. But oh. I, it just totally burnt out because I mean I saw results I, I never saw my body look like that but that's not sustainable and just Correct. the thought of it was so daunting can you do this the rest of your life oh, no I can't do 360 jump squats for the rest of my life oh my no absolutely not and like yeah what if you get injured well like it's just it's so not practical right right which kudos to anybody who can and is still doing it like that's that's just a level like that's incredible so commitment over interest, I loved it so much. I even made myself a little sign, a wooden sign, and I painted it, I put it in my little home gym <laughs> because at any time I just didn't feel the, the desire or the want to work out that day. I would remind myself, you're committed to this. This is a commitment. It's not an interest. It's not a fad. It's not a fleeting thing that's coming in and out of your life. This is a commitment. So I've been at this when I started strength training, just kind of on my own at home for 15 months and it is the longest I have ever, ever stuck with anything. At the most, maybe six months, nine months, never longer than nine months a year maybe. But yeah, this is the longest I've ever stuck with it and I don't see myself stopping anytime soon, so. Huge congrats, that's yeah, amazing. Uh, yeah. How did you get into strength training? You. <laughs> <laughs> You and like-minded people. So to be honest, I, I knew that strength training for women was important years ago. And so I joined a gym and the instructor gave me that cookie cutter day one with dumbbells and TRX. Mm -hmm. And with the last message, if you need anything, just find me and let me know. And I never saw her again. Oh, disappeared and I I'd see other trainers work with people and I thought I can't interrupt them I mean they're working one-on-one -on -one with people and I don't even know how to use machines I'm so tiny I mean I'm climbing machines mm. to reach things or their machines are just too dangerous for me to even use because they're just not suited for my size so I taught myself how to use some machines like a leg press that's adjustable but I I would see people in the weight room with like doing back squats and bench presses. I'm like, I, I want to do that. <laughs> how do I find somebody to show me how to do that? But I just, I, I never had a plan. And I would talk to myself going in saying, have a plan. What are we doing today? What's the plan? And I would just do that same cookie cutter thing over and over again. I let my three month trial membership expire and I never went back. So it was a little deflating because mm. I just was not, I, didn't educate myself well enough, I think, going in. So kind of let that go. That was at least three or four years ago. Always knowing that strength training was going to be an important part of my life. I just, the gym thing was just not really what I wanted to do again. <laughs> so fast forward a little bit. Um, COVID hits. <laughs> I took full advantage of being home for three months and 
doing absolutely nothing. I, <laughs> I mean, I woke up and convinced myself to do a little workout I found online just to say I did something. But I think I, I baked every single day and I cooked those foods that I always wanted to try. Let me see if I can make a lobster mac and cheese. Let me see if mm. I can make a chicken fettuccine Alfredo. I made, this is my Canadian side, butter tarts and butter tarts. butter tarts. You ever had a butter tart? No. What is it? <laughs> it's like a tiny little, it's like a handheld little pie. It's like a crust, like a pie, but it's got this gooey, sugary kind of. Wow. Tart. Yeah. It, they're absolutely now delicious. I'm hungry. That yeah. sounds amazing. Yeah. So I made, I made that kind of stuff every single day. I made donuts <laughs> and pretzels and, and I just, I don't know. I, it was, you know, the stress of it all. And just my kids are home and helping them with school. And I just thought this is not the time to worry about mm -hmm. that. <laughs> so Correct. I just, just spent that time. However, I did pay for it because as the weather got warmer <laughs> by mid July, I couldn't even fit into my summer clothes anymore. And it was around mid July. I saw a picture of myself and I was, to me, I was unrecognizable. I just did, I didn't even know I looked like that. So that was kind of the spark. And I had been following you well beforehand. And I'd never even heard of calorie deficit before. I tried all these different methods because sugar makes you fat. Fat doesn't make you fat. <laughs> all these other fads. And I never really took into account calories because I thought I was eating healthy and that was good enough. But do you know how many calories are in dates? Oh I didn't God. know. I just, I threw those dates in every smoothie by the handful. <laughs> I, I lost track of how many I was even putting in and I was probably I it's consuming. Like, it's like 120 for one date, right? It's, it was ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. So aside from just trying to eat healthy, I was, and Susan says this a lot too, spinning my wheels, right? I was just not mm. getting anywhere. And so... Being so short, I tried doing a um, goal body weight times 12. I should be around 100 pounds, and that's 1,200 calories. And mm. I might be small, but I can eat. I, I love my food. <laughs> and so I stuck it out for a while, but I was starving. It was more than just, mm, you should be a little hungry. No, I was hungry. So that didn't last, and that's that's kind of when COVID hit and I kind of over, overindulged a few months. <laughs> so I thought, let's regroup. Let's start with a bit of a higher goal body weight, incorporate the strength training. I immersed myself in your information. I absorbed every YouTube video, <laughs> everything that you and Susan were posting. And I just, I went into it, especially with the scale, because I never weighed myself outside of the doctor's office. <laughs> I didn't even own a scale. And there was this kind of toxic <laughs> behavior around the scale, or at least mm. there tends to be. Absolutely. That there's this negative side of it. But I really went into it with the knowledge that it's just data. And I promised myself if at any time I was deflated because the scale went up, or if I was elated when the scale went down, even just a bit, then I would stop using that as a tool. 
But every day I went on it up and down, up and down, up and down. I saw that scale and just went, okay, move on. I love that. Write it down and move on because we need to collect this data to know, (laughs) you know, I would just give myself that talk. It's just data. So I've been sticking with that for 15 months. I've been logging my, logging my, all my data. So I've been logging. Yeah. I logged my food and which was not unfamiliar with me because during any diet, I always logged my food, but not to this intensity. I was logging Mm -hmm. calories to start. And then after a few months, I really paid attention to protein because I started strength training with just the few dumbbells I had at home, really nothing intense, but I was able to find more weight online because we were all in lockdown. I found some heavier dumbbells, some adjustable dumbbells. I thought, let's start paying attention to protein because I feel like this will really help out. So I started logging protein as well. And uh, that just kind of (laughs) snowballed from there. And how how has your progress been? So in that year, I lost 25 pounds. Now, it took that long and there were a few i'm using air quotes here plateaus <laughs> you know what i'm gonna say plateaus i love that there were a few so i'd say the biggest the longest one i was gonna say was maybe between december and end of february and i just kind of kept saying to myself stick with it i couldn't blame christmas because we were locked down so we weren't even socializing we didn't leave the house We ate like normal, maybe had a couple celebratory dinners, nothing indulgent. But I just thought something, maybe by now we've got to do have to change something. So I increased my meat because I didn't really want to drop my calories because I didn't want to go any lower than the 1400. Increased my meat, really getting that walk in first thing in the morning, weather was getting nicer, walked after supper every night. And the pounds started coming off again. And then it hit maybe another one later in the spring as well. Same thing, just fine-tuning a little bit and just bit by bit started dropping again. So did you talk to Kim Schlag today? Uh, I did a live call with a group and she was on the call. Okay, it's funny that I just pulled her, her name out of nowhere on you, sorry. It's okay. Listen, I, I've DM'd her back and forth in this last year because she's been a great resource as well mm. because of her perimenopause and menopause mm. assistance, right? Yeah, yeah. So um, I told her on her Instagram live the other day, I said, hey, I'm going to be chatting with Jordan on Friday. Can I mention your name? And she said, hey, I'm going to be chatting with Jordan as well. <laughs> so the timing was incredible. That's per- so, her, her and I are hopping on the phone. It, it got changed. We're going to talk okay. next week. Yeah. So well, that's awesome though. That's amazing. Yeah. She, she's wonderful. Yeah. She's um, smart, smart lady. So um, one of the great tips she had, well, let me tell you this first. During the year, she had put a reel on her Instagram to the tune of a rent the musical rent. Okay. How long, and the caption was, how long does it take to lose 25 pounds? And the song goes 525,600 <laughs> minutes a year. 
And when I saw that reel, I just went, oh, it's going to take me a year to lose 25 pounds. It seemed so daunting. And yet there it was. A year went by and I didn't care that it took the year to lose it. I was just glad it was gone and I didn't want it back. Yes. So I DM'd her and I said, hey, do you remember that reel? Here I am a year later, I lost 25 pounds. So she messaged me. She's like, oh my gosh, that's amazing. I said, by the way, I'm four foot eight inches tall. I'm 48 years old and perimenopausal. She said, I'm going to make a podcast and I'm going to mention your name. So she did, which was flattering and lovely. So, um, that's incredible. That, yeah. It's really, really extraordinary. I, I hope you're very proud of yourself because that that's really, really incredible progress. It, it, it is. I know that. And we're our worst critics. So I feel like I've come a long way mentally too. Right. But I, sometimes I feel like I've got a long way to go and I really don't have a lot to lose like pound wise. Maybe my physique, I want to change a little bit and I've got some strength goals and whatever. So I feel like I got kind of a long road ahead of me and yet I've accomplished so much. So I think I'm in a good place. I think there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, one of my favorite, a lot of people say that, you know, the always happy, never satisfied. I'm not a huge fan of that phrase because I don't think it's realistic to always be happy, right. but I am a big fan of, of always optimistic, never satisfied, or sure. in, th in this case, always proud and never satisfied. Yeah. And, and I really, I, I think it's important, you know, you, you said, uh, we're our own harshest critics for sure. But I think that so many of us, we set goals and even if we, you know, very few of them actually do what they need to achieve them, which you did. And, and so many of us who achieve a goal don't take the time to really appreciate all of the time and effort and patience mm -hmm. and persistence that, that you put into it. So I, I do hope you, you take a moment and really just give yourself a pat on the back because mm -hmm. it's, it's really, it's, it's incredible what you've done and it's, it's critically important to acknowledge just like you would acknowledge if if your husband or your sons or a friend or whoever did something great, like you got to acknowledge it yourself too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes, I I know that person <laughs> too. I know that. And, and um, for it's worth, like, yeah. I think everyone's got a long way to go, right? Like, yeah. No one, like, even even in maintenance, right? And, and we can talk about that, but even in maintenance, people hear maintenance and they think like. People don't want to go into maintenance because they think that means they're just going to stall out. They're just mm -hmm. not going to get better. And that's why Susan and I changed our phrasing from maintenance to momentum because there's so much you can do in that phase and so much momentum you can build and so much more progress you can make. Uh, everybody, myself included, ha, ha, you, there's always so much more to accomplish. And, and you know, the unfortunate reality is that like in life, most of it, like every, no one will accomplish anywhere near what everything they want to in life. No, right. it's impossible. But yeah. it also, if you think about it in another way, gives the things you do accomplish more meaning, the things you do dedicate your life and your time to, it gives them much more meaning because you're choosing to spend your limited time here on earth to follow the things that mean the most to you. And, and I yeah. think that makes the things you do do even more special. That's, that's passion, right? Yeah, that's exactly right. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I had originally, I joined the inner circle in May, um, doing most of this on my own from July until May. And I thought I'll, I'll join the inner circle just to get the, that 
accountability, that resource. Um, my plan was to go into maintenance through the summer because we had a week vacation in July, a week vacation in August with social events. And I thought, this is not the time to be restricting, <laughs> but let's go into maintenance. But I thought, I had asked you a couple questions on your live and on Susan's live. And when I had reached out to book a call with you, it got canceled a couple times because oh, you were supposed sorry. to go. No, listen, you're supposed to go on your honeymoon and then you guys didn't go. Yeah. So then it got postponed to like later. But you know what? I said, just take the information you've learned. Take what you know. I mean, you're in the inner circle. Use those resources. I absorbed everything that is put out every single month. And I just figured it out and went into maintenance. And I mean, my trend line flatlined. Like no it way. was completely maybe a, the most a pound either way. The wow, most. that's amazing. Was, like, I, I just, I couldn't believe it. <laughs> like, wow, this, if this isn't maintenance, I don't know what it is. So <laughs> I, I bumped my calories up maybe, maybe only a couple hundred, not even. Because even before then, so I went from 1400 to start. And then once I started strength training and when I started noticing some physique changes, I bumped my calories up again to about 1550. Because I thought I need these calories if I'm going to keep lifting heavier. Yes. And now I think my deficit is not as steep anymore. So uh, if maintenance means I can go up a little bit higher, that's what I did. And it, again, it is experimenting. I maybe I lucked out because that's what I wanted to do through the summer, and it just happened to work. Um, but. I think we're just nervous to experiment because again, we don't want to lose that, that progress. We think we've, we've come so far. Yeah. So you you we hit came... the nail on the head. Absolutely. Well, people, people get, get worried about increasing their calories because they think that's immediately going to ruin all their progress. But mm -hmm. everything you're saying is exactly right. And I love you used the maintenance manual to figure mm -hmm. out. And that was helpful. Yes. Good. Yeah. Good. Maintenance right. manual. Um, I listened to your podcast because there's more than one that says <laughs> how to go into maintenance. So I, <laughs> I just absorbed those and just, I think the biggest lesson is just take the risk. There's, there's no harm done. It's not like you're going to, you know, jump into crazy calories. You're taking baby steps and you can always step back if it, if it's overwhelming. So, yeah. So when we got off holidays and off, summer starting right after labor day i went back to my deficit and the weight started coming off again just bit by bit i mean for a short person we all we've all heard that right it's harder to lose that weight yep. but what does that mean harder it it takes longer you have to eat a little bit less you mm -hmm. have to be 90 10 consistent maybe <laughs> instead of 80 20 you have to be 90-10 nutritious and not not nutritious food. So it's, yeah, yeah. there's less wiggle room is what we say, right? Yeah, that's exactly so, right. Yeah, that's what I've had to do. But I, I did not do it. I did it safely. I did it without interfering with my family's life because I'm mm. tired of having to make my meals separately from my kids because – Mom doesn't eat grains, so they're having <laughs> pasta dinner, and I'm having, oh, whatever it could possibly be, something totally different. But yeah, it's um, it's been 
quite a life lesson. And I, I can't wait to see what the future holds because I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing. Because in my mind, I think another 10 pounds, but I don't know what that looks like on me. And if it becomes too much of a struggle, because we say the last 10, mm. you know, could be the most difficult, but at what cost, right? Am I, willing, am I willing to sacrifice my social life? Am I willing to make those meals separately? Am I willing to fine tune all the weighing and measuring at what cost. So to if I do find that much more hungry to be more yeah. tired, maybe see your strength go down. Absolutely. Yeah. And is that sustainable? Right. Obviously not. And that, that 10 pounds isn't even worth it at that point. So if I were to stay this way, like right now I feel average and I'm happy with that. And if I were to stay this way for the rest of my life, I would be happy with that. So focusing on strength goals would be a great way to live the rest of my life. I love that. I absolutely love that. So, so talk to me, what, what goals do you have? Do you have anything specific? So strength training wise, um, my deadlift that I just did last week was 110. Amazing. So that's just a conventional deadlift. When I started the unicorn strong challenge, it was 45 pounds. <laughs> Wow. In May. Now, I know I probably could have lifted heavier, but I thought, I'm not, I'm not doing this just to jump in and see how heavy I can lift. Right. I, I want to progress to a certain goal. So my most immediate goal was 100 pounds. So by the end of the Unicorn Strong, I was close to 100 pound deadlift. So after that, I did the June edition. And then I did the July edition back to back. So I just finished July edition. I took this week off just to rest. Good. Took a little doula. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Yeah. Just mentally, physically, just needed a little break. The programs are no joke. They're really difficult. Yeah, yeah they are. Mm -hmm. I'd never done anything like that before, but I was so excited. I was up for the challenge. So pr <laughs> prior to that, I just kind of wrote my own programs just based on what I found online. And I always felt like I was missing something. Like I was ripping myself off, you know, like mm. I needed something not wandering through the so blindly. I needed something a little more focused. So is my there, most, Oh, sorry. Keep going. Keep going. My most immediate goal is a 120 pound deadlift. I love that. Yeah. I love that for now. That, yeah. Mm -hmm. Let me ask you this. Is, is there anything any big differences that you've noticed between the programs you would write versus the, the inner circle programs? Um, well, I'd never done a deadlift before this. Okay. Okay. Yep. <laughs> Maybe I, I won't even say I'd never even heard of a deadlift before this. If they were just the standard bicep curls, overhead press, some lunges, they were so, they were still pretty cookie cutter. And I was always afraid to, try something different and the watching some of these people these beautiful people in the inner circle group oh my goodness what they can do I just they're so admirable they're so knowledgeable and and and, and they're coming from all stages right we're mm. starting from scratch or there's someone a lot of experience and I, I would just admire that and think I I can do that I can pick up a hundred pounds off the ground. Hell yeah. I can bench 75 pounds. Hell yeah. So I do, 
and I, I got there. So I think that was, those were some of the biggest changes was just a bit of confidence in myself and uh, trying some lifts that I'd never thought I could do before. What's your favorite lift? Well, I think deadlift. Yeah. Because yeah. There's something badass about picking something really heavy off the ground. Agreed. You know? I, I agree. There's like, it's beautiful in its simplicity. It's just how much weight can you pick up? That's yeah. the deadlift. I love it. It is simple. And yet I do find myself thinking a lot because I'm not working with anyone at home. It's just me. And I don't want to put myself in a situation where it's dangerous. Smart. So Very I'm smart. Just, Every, I take the break, shoulders back, straight spine, looking down, you know, everything is braced and yeah. So I really, yeah. It's difficult. I've learned a lot. (laughs) I remember when I was, when I was, uh, starting to coach people and I, and I was learning the process of coaching. There was a, a guy, his name is Dave Tate, really famous lifter and coach. And he put the the process of learning a movement into really great terms. I, I'm sure he wasn't the first one to do it. But he, he used the whole, um, the example of there's, at first, there's unconscious unconsciousness in which, like, you have no idea that you're doing something wrong. And you're doing it wrong and you have no idea that you're doing it wrong. Mm -hmm. Then there's conscious unconsciousness in which you're, or or unconscious consciousness in which uh, you're aware that you're doing something wrong, but you don't know what it is or how to fix it. And then there's conscious unconsciousness, which (laughs) is where you're aware of, of what you're doing and how to fix it mm-hmm. but like and you're doing it properly but you're thinking about it all the time yeah and then from there you go to uh you go to unconscious or what it's you go to what is it conscious consciousness is the last one i think mm-hmm. where Probably. where where or conscious yeah conscious consciousness basically where you get to the point where or no i think the last one is unconscious consciousness which is where you're not thinking about it at all but you're doing it properly Mm-hmm. Right. So you go through this whole spectrum. I have butchered that, but you go through the whole spectrum of first, you, you don't know what you're doing at all. You have no idea. And then throughout the time, like you're, you're in a point right now where you know what right is, you know what the correct technique is. You're not fully sure if you're doing it a hundred percent properly, but you're aware or are yeah. you filming yourself? Yeah, I have. Yeah. Perfect. So, mm-hmm. so you're at a point like you're, it so- sounds like you're in the third stage where you still have to think about it. Mm-hmm. And and that's totally normal. That's a normal yeah. part of the process. And eventually you'll get to a point where you just walk up to the bar, you rip it off the floor. Someone's going to look at you and be like, that technique is perfect. And you're going to be like, it took me years to make it like right. that. Right. And I know. that's just how it goes. Some people make it look so easy. Like they're yeah. not even thinking about it. Right. But I can so appreciate where lifters are in their lives because I know, I know what it took to get there. I know the the commitment and the the thought process, the mental strength it took to get there to make it look that easy. Mm. So I have a whole new appreciation for our lifters. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's so funny. It's like uh, it, it's. I know when I was younger, a lot of times, and I think the media still does sometimes portrays lifting as just like this, just as like 
thoughtless meathead endeavor. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But it really is more than that. In so many ways, there's so much thought that goes into it. There's so much, you can garner so much pride and self-confidence from being in the gym and lifting heavy weights and, and challenging yourself. And have you ever read the iron by Henry Rollins? No, I'm writing this down. All right. The iron. Like I sort of want to just read it right now because it's, it's pretty, it's pretty, it's like a one page thing. Mm. Um, I, I won't read it right now, but okay. I will if, find it. If, if you Google search yeah. he, uh, the iron by Henry Rollins, it's like one page. It's unbelievable. And it actually that what he wrote, it completely changed my life. And it, it almost like saved my life when I was in college in a really bad headspace. Mm. He, he really broke down why lifting is it, it does something to people and people who are in a really bad time in their life and have no one to turn to and no one, nowhere to go turn to lifting and it completely changes them and it mm -hmm. gives them confidence and strength, not just physical, but mental and emotional. And, uh, one of the lines in the iron, he, he says 200 pounds is always 200 pounds. And that line always stuck with me. It basically, mm -hmm. he explains how it doesn't matter who you are, where you're from, what you do, how much you make, 200 pounds is always 200 pounds. And that mm -hmm. bar is never going to lie to you ever. Yeah. Yeah. It'll tell you when you're feeling strong. It'll tell you when you're weak as shit. It'll tell you like, if you, if you don't respect the bar, you don't respect the weight, you're going to hurt yourself. It's going to teach you a lot of lessons. And, uh, yeah, I, I love that you've gotten so invested in it and that you're enjoying it. And I also love mm -hmm. that you're listening to your body and you're taking a break right now because yeah. that's super important. Yeah, I figure two months back to back and I saw a lot of progress um, lifting wise with my weights um, through that two months. And I thought I just there's no need. There's no need to go <laughs> back to back to back, right? Month after month after month. I do the three day a week. It's plenty. I do sprint intervals on the other two days, which I oh, love good. because good. I have, I still have that running passion in me. So running intervals is just fun for me. Um, yeah. And it feels good. It You're, feels it good. It spikes your endorphins, you sweat, you're breathing yep. heavy. It feels good. It's 20 minutes. <laughs> oh. It's not a huge time commitment for me either. Whereas I find the program is, is a long, but I get 20 up. minutes of sprints is difficult. Like what, yeah. what ratio do you to sprint to rest? I change it. I change. I try to shorten my rest and lengthen my sprint or I, I try it. to change over. my elevation when I'm just walking and then sprint on a, you know, 1% or whatever. So every few weeks I'll, I just write my own. I just change that up every once in a while. I love it. I love yeah. it. You know, if you, if you ever, are feeling really sore from your on your lower body and you want to get your sprints in but like you're not like you feel really sore go mm -hmm. on a really high incline yeah a really high incline will will reduce the amount that your how the distance that your foot is going to have to go down right, right. yeah so like definitely and uh, if someone has like a an injury i'll always recommend doing it on an incline because it's a lot safer but yeah. I, I love i think that's perfect and it's mm -hmm. so unique 
most people would, I, I have so much momentum. I got to keep going. I keep working out. They wouldn't take that week, but you, you might've just spared yourself a, a real injury or yes. potentially burning out. Like, like people don't understand that you are, you've really embodied this long-term view of health and fitness as something that's a part of your life rather than your whole life. It's, it's really extraordinary. Well, I've been there, done that. I've been burnt out before and I've been injured before because I just went so gung ho because I felt like that's what I had to do. So I'm taking a whole new mindset and perspective because I want to see myself do this long term. I love that. Yeah. I love that. So on your live on Monday, it was me that was asking about um, callus prevention. Do you remember you were mm. showing on the camera, yes. you were putting your hand in your oh, palm. I was trying to get it in the I camera. Know. But it was. <laughs> I, I, know. I got the gist because I went up to my home gym upstairs and I picked up a dumbbell and held it, cradled it in my fingers instead of squishing my hands. And it, it, it felt really different. Well, I didn't do a full workout. Like I said, I'm resting this week. So I will kind of change my hand position and see if that helps, which okay. is another reason why I think I just needed time just for these calluses to settle down. And yeah, yeah. I just don't want to, I don't want them to get worse. And again, I don't care that they're there. I don't care what they look like. No one can see them. They're kind of my badge of honor, yeah. but I just don't want them to get worse and be painful to the point I can't lift anymore. So right. that was me. Smart. And, and, yeah. uh, in terms of, uh, lifting gloves, just so you know, like, um, I'm not a huge fan of lifting gloves mm -hmm. for things like deadlifts. Yeah. Um, just because it can actually sort of screw up the bar position. And, and I've seen some people actually end up like getting injuries, like tearing their bicep, not necessarily because of the gloves, but the gloves can, they can sort of change the position of the bar and it's not, yeah. not good. But for something like, we'll call it a dumbbell row, uh, or a seated cable row or mm -hmm. like where it's a, a smaller movement, you're not going as heavy. If you want to wear lifting gloves for that, that's totally fine. I would just not do it for a big compound lift, like a deadlift or, or something like that. Um, mm -hmm. And also cradling it in your fingers. And then also, are you using chalk as well? Yeah, I just bought liquid okay. chalk about two weeks ago. So oh, I'm perfect. starting to apply that to my regimen of my lifts. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. So hopefully that helps a little bit. Um, I wanted to share something else with you that Kim had uh, posted on her Instagram months ago or something, but I know the biggest, some of the biggest questions that we either see in the inner circle group or on lives or whatever is getting enough protein because, you know, we have this calculation of how much protein should I be eating and how do I even fit that in my day? But this strategy helps me get nail my protein every single day. And I've posted in the group a couple times and the comments I get like, that's genius. <laughs> that's awesome. So listen, this is what I do. The night before I lay, I enter into my tracker, whatever I'm, I'm using my fitness pal. So let's say for breakfast, I'm having two eggs. I'm just entering my protein first. Well, this is what we mean by prioritizing protein. Enter my two eggs. For snack, I'm gonna have Greek yogurt. For my lunch, I'm having grilled chicken. For my afternoon snack, I'm going to have cottage cheese. And for dinner, we're going to have shrimp. If I'm happy with my protein, then I'll leave it at that and start adding in everything else. But if I don't think it's enough, then I'll go back again. I'm going to add egg whites to my breakfast. 
Mm. I'm going to add a little bit of protein powder to my Greek yogurt. I'm going to add another ounce of chicken to my salad, my grilled chicken for lunch. And maybe I'll add some turkey jerky to my cottage cheese on the side. And then at dinner, I'll add a few more pieces of shrimp. If I'm happy with that, then I can move on to the other things. My next priority is my fruits and vegetables. So with those eggs, I'll have some spinach and mushroom sauteed in my omelet. Um, I'll have some fruit with my Greek yogurt. I'll have a big-ass salad for lunch with that grilled chicken. And then I'll have my steamed veggies or a stir-fry for dinner. And then there's still lots of calories left after prioritizing that protein. I think that's what the fear is, is that you enter all this protein and you've run out of calories. But if you prioritize the protein, there's still, even at 1400 calories, I still had lots of room for fruits and veggies and carbs and even a cookie or a few chips or Mm. cream or my coffee or whatever. Just, I still had room for that kind of stuff. So I'd go back again to the breakfast and add a piece of toast and add maybe some crackers at my lunch and add some steamed rice at my dinner. There, there's my day. Nail my protein, still lots of room for carbs, delicious carbs and fruit and veggies and everything else and treats now again. You are a genius. No, it's not my idea. I can't take credit for it. Did Kim come up? Who came up with it? I don't know if she, well, I got it from Kim. Got I it, can okay. only give her credit for it, but, and I've heard people say that prioritize protein, but I didn't know what that looked like. I don't know what that means. Prioritize. Pro- yeah. Yeah. I am eating. I'm, I think I'm eating enough protein. I thought I was, but until you, you seem to run out of the day and think, Oh, I, I didn't eat enough protein today. No wonder I'm, I can't seem to progress past these lifts because I'm, I'm only eating 80, 90 grams of protein. I really would like to aim. I can eat 120 grams of protein, plenty for me. You know, it's, I love this strategy for so many reasons. It's one of the most common questions I get is, how do I eat more protein? How do I eat more mm-hmm. protein? And it, I'm candidly, it drives me bonkers because I'm, I, in my mind, I'm like, just eat more. Just eat like if you have a piece of chicken, take another piece of chicken or mm-hmm. take a bigger piece of chicken or like it just for me, I, I'm like, just look at what has protein and eat more. But it's still one of the most common questions. And even when people are like, I know I'm supposed to be eat this amount of protein. I just don't know how to eat more protein. I was like, eat more protein. But I love this because essentially what you're doing is you're working backwards. You're, right. You, right. You, you, you know the total amount. And then what, what you do is you take the extra time to plan and you say, cool, so this is what I'm going to have for breakfast, this is for lunch, this is for dinner, these are my snacks. You tally up the total protein, then you're like, okay, I'm still only at this amount and I need to get to this amount, so I'm going to add a little bit of a bigger portion here, add another snack here, whatever it is. It It's great. It, it's so, so, so smart. I'm definitely going to be using that. Uh, mm-hmm. Thank you for sharing that. That's super helpful. Yeah, so when you talk to Kim, tell her, thank you for <laughs> I will. I, I'm going to – I'm, I, I have a, a no phone during podcast policy, so it's not right. next to me. But uh, when I right. when we're off, I'm going to text her. I'm going to say, you're getting big shout outs on this podcast. Yeah, yeah. She's, uh, she, well, she just laid it out so simply because I think that was part of the problem. Like, what, what, what do you mean get more protein? 
And I think, again, that was the fear was running out of calories before I even filled up my protein goal. But yeah, that was a really great strategy. Do you enjoy eating more protein? Like, do you like it? Yeah, because I think the protein choices I make, I really like. I Mm. like chicken and I like Greek yogurt and I like cottage cheese. And if I had to eat those things without enjoying them, then maybe it would be a struggle. But I, yeah, I, I do. It's, it, it does keep me fuller, um, yeah, especially absolutely. with fewer calories. Because at, at my height, again, to be able to eat 15, over 1,500 calories and still lose fat, I think that's pretty good. That's, it, it's extraordinary. It is. I've gotten my body to a stage where I've built enough muscle that I can still burn those calories at rest because I don't want to have to do more cardio to have to burn those off. So I, I'm happy with the amount of calories I can consume and still lose fat. And I think protein is the biggest part of that. Yeah. And what's going to be really cool is as you get stronger and continue to build muscle and you, you're in maintenance, you, you, you continue to, to build muscle, you're actually, you're, Anytime you want to go back into a deficit, you're actually going to be able to eat more and still be in a deficit, mm-hmm. which is like, it's the best. Like when you realize like, oh my God, I've increased how I can, I've increased my deficit by like 250 calories. It's amazing. It, it, yeah. And it helps, it helps so much. So I'm really excited to, to continue and to hear about everything that you're doing and to, to watch your progress because I think you're, you're really doing a remarkable job and you, you've really, really, uh, invested in this lifelong strategy and i think there's something there's it's worth saying you work really hard <laughs> like <laughs> thanks it, it, from everything that you've been saying like even just the protein strategy most people are my, a lot of people are going to hear that and they're gonna be like yeah but i don't want to plan the day before mm-hmm. what i'm going to eat even just for like a week it's like shut up just do yeah. it just, yeah like, and you really, you do it. Like you put in this effort. And and one thing I've noticed with people who really do that is oftentimes they, they sort of shrug it off and they're like, it's, it's not that much. Like, and they're, it's like, they're like, why are you praising me for this? It's not that difficult, but you really do put in a significant amount of effort to see these results. And I know to maybe an outsider, it might seem daunting to say that that's just so much. And I can't put that much energy. And for me, Every day is a conscious effort. Everything I do is a conscious effort to make the best decision to get to my goals. However, it does take up a lot of mental energy and a lot of mental space. But I'd rather use this towards that mental energy than the negative mental energy I had before this. And yeah. That guilt and that nagging, you've got to get this weight off and you've got... I don't want I don't want to hear that anymore. I'd rather hear <laughs> I'd rather hear what proteins are we having tomorrow and how much are we gonna lift today? Like those are just what I'd rather fill my headspace with than that negative energy. I love that. I yeah. really love that. Let me ask you a question. Okay. It just 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 came to me and it's sort of connecting what we spoke about much earlier to right now. It's a lot of mental energy doing mm-hmm. this, but it's worth it. What would you say to, let's call it uh, a new mother? Because I know you said early on for your first child, it was really difficult and mm-hmm. it was a very difficult time and it was your first child and, and all the all the like potential issues. Let's say you have a new mother 
and and she wants to improve her health and fitness, doesn't really know where to begin, doesn't have too much mental energy to spare, what would you recommend to her? Well, as a new mother, I would say just take it easy. Don't be so hard on yourself because Mm. your priority is that baby. Mm. And until you're mentally ready, um, it's, it will be way too much to juggle everything. And unless you have a really good partner or family support around you, you would just, you won't be able to do all of it. So I would say, take it slow. Um, one step at a time, take your baby with you and go for walks start with steps, Mm -hmm. right? Start with good nutrition. You're, you're feeding your body to give the best of yourself to your baby and to your, your family. So yeah, I would say all that good stuff, your fruits and vegetables, I wouldn't worry about, I wouldn't worry about calories right at the beginning. I wouldn't worry about all that stuff. Just take it slow. I was, I would say there's no finish line. I think that was the biggest part of everything that I tried in the past. It was always like, I've got to get this weight off by Mm. this wet, this wedding or this Christmas or something like that. There is no finish line. You've got lots of time. And before you know it, you're going to be pregnant again. (laughs) You got to do it all over again. So don't rush. Yeah. There's no rush, right? Yeah. There's no rush. There's no finish line. There's, there's no, and this is a forever game. Absolutely. That was a big, big mental change for me that this, there's no time limit. There's no, I got to get this off by a certain point. And I, kind of was raised in that environment in my mm. my youth so yeah I feel much better about where I'm going here so so, so very yeah go ahead so I no, no, to, sorry you go ahead you go ahead I'm very close to like a three plate two stack eliminating the logging and the weighing and the measuring okay and good. what what I've been doing instead instead of just picking a day not to track, which I know is a strategy that you do, or picking, and then the next week, pick two days, don't weigh anything, don't log anything, just eat your meals like you always do. So what I've been doing is choosing what type of items I'm weighing and measuring. So I will still track my protein because I feel like that's most valuable. I don't want to shortchange myself. Smart, very smart. You know, I don't want to have half a serving of the protein because I can't eyeball what a serving of Greek yogurt looks like. I could be shortchanging myself almost half a serving. So I will still do that, but fruits, vegetables, my salad, I'm not going to weigh my salad. I'm not going to weigh strawberries or whatever. (laughs) So I'm, I'm just, I'm kind of doing this wavering, just leaning because I feel like I'm using tracking and logging as a bit like a crutch right now. Like I'm, I'm on a bike with training wheels and I just am too scared to take those wheels off, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It it can be nerve wracking for the same thing we discussed earlier. Like you you don't, you feel like you don't want to lose all your progress. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if it's something I, I know what you're going to (laughs) say. If you, if you're nervous about it, you should do it. You're right. That's because exactly right. 
in the you know in the past with any success I've had, I'm not unfamiliar with logging my food. I've done it time and time again, and it's when I start laxing on that, when I start getting lazy and saying, I'm not going to track on Saturdays. And then it becomes, I'm not going to track on Sundays. I'm not going to track this week. And then I just start <laughs> eating very sloppy. And then I find myself at the bottom of the barrel again, clawing my way out. So I, I'm just scared. I'm going to find myself in that situation again. Mm. Yeah, it, that's fair. And it's valid. Well, let me ask you this. Does, does tracking the way you're doing it right now, does it cause you anxiety? Does it take away from your life? No, I actually kind of enjoy it because I sit on the couch before we go to bed and I start logging my protein first and I start logging. It takes five minutes, not even five minutes. I'm so good at it. My fitness pal, I've got tons of recipes in there now. I'm like, that is not a part of my life. That is stressful. Well, then in that case, you don't need to stop. I, I think this is really important. Um, you don't need to stop counting calories. If you told me, oh, yeah, I, I weigh everything. I weigh the ice cubes that I put in my water. Mm -hmm. I weigh the stems from my cherries. Right. Uh, like then if I'm weighing my spinach, uh, like, no, that's a fucking problem. Mm -hmm. um, then I would be like, we need to change this because it's an unhealthy behavior. What you're doing, you've already decided what you're going to weigh and you've split it into very intelligent uh, different categories of what you'll weigh and what you won't and, and for the reason why. And you do it in like five minutes a day, which is I, I've found the same thing when I'm tracking. I can do it all in about five to seven minutes a day. It's not mm -hmm. much. Um, and if I really want to be more accurate with it, then I'm going to do that because it makes sense. And it's not it's not difficult after you've developed the skill. Um, so there are many people who they enjoy it. It it it's a very easy way and and not time consuming way to make sure they're feeding their body appropriately. It's sort of like uh, I would say. <laughs> I always try and think of analogies, but like mm -hmm. it's it's sort of like if you didn't have the have the tank meter on your car to know when it was full or where you were like mm -hmm. you're filling up the tank it's like you you want to have that there so you know when you're on empty or when you're approaching empty it's like this is your way of gauging how much you have and some people get to a point in which they're okay going based on feel rather than having to look at that gauge but there's nothing wrong with looking at it. And in fact, if, you, if you're if you the kind of person who likes to be a little bit more precise and, and it's gonna make you feel better to make sure you're keeping everything in check, then keep doing it. But again, like the fact that you've already been able to, like you're not weighing your fruits, you're not weighing your vegetables, like, like I think you have a very good mindset around it and that's the differentiator. If you were telling me that, that counting was taking control of your life mm -hmm. and, it, and it was a real big burden on you well cool now we need to change but it's not and and there's nothing wrong with continuing to track i was just nervous i guess that i felt like there might be something unhealthy about that mentally about needing do, to know do you think calories. there's any unhealthy thoughts or behavior with what you're doing honestly no no i don't I really don't. I don't think it's obsessive. I don't think it's, I, I don't panic when I 
missed tracking a meal. I don't panic if I don't know how many calories are in something because we went out for dinner. I don't panic when I've had a cinnamon bun for breakfast instead of a, <laughs> a protein shake or something. There's, I love this. I, I if, really don't feel like it's a, a unhealthy or toxic relationship with food. Yeah. If, if you told me that going out for a family dinner caused severe anxiety because you didn't know how many calories were in it, or you told me like, uh, you know, the idea of, of having breakfast and not knowing exactly how many calories really freaked you out, like on occasion, then I'd say this isn't not a healthy behavior, then it is mm -hmm. obsessive. But everything you just said is very clearly a healthy relationship with food. You know, it's, I see all on social media talk about, well, diet culture is telling you this and diet culture is telling you that. And all the people, and listen, diet culture exists and there are real issues with it. But a lot of the people who are just always about like, uh, like screw diet culture, a lot of them are saying things that are essentially diet culture, like saying right. it's, it's a bad, you automatically have a bad relationship with food because it takes you five minutes to track your calories that day. It's like, what, why is tracking my calories inherently a just because you couldn't do it without developing a bad relationship doesn't mean it's bad for everybody. And just mm -hmm. because it happened to you doesn't mean it's going to happen to me. Right. Uh, so it's so interesting to me that you you literally have been led to believe that what you're doing must be an unhealthy behavior. Yeah. But no, it's not. You have a very healthy relationship with food. Like everything you just said, it checks every marker, uh, checks every box. Like everything. You're you're doing so well. Uh, do not second guess it. Don't listen to the people who are oh that's unhealthy. No no no. You're right, doing right, right. wonderful. You really are. Right. Yeah. I just needed to hear your. Your validation a little bit, baby, or yeah, and just like to the assurance, like you, you know, like you've listened to enough of these, and you, I'm not gonna mm -hmm. bullshit. If if I think you need to stop counting, I'll tell you. I've said it to many people here before. I, I, listen, like if there have been many people I've spoken to who've had real bad relationships with counting calories, so we tried to wean them off of it. If if you said anything that made me think that you had a bad relationship with it, I would say no problem. Like we got to get you off of this. Here's how we're gonna start, but. Everything you said is very clearly a, a very safe and healthy relationship with food. I, I think it's phenomenal. And I think well, for whatever it's worth, your sons are very lucky to have you as a role model showing them that this is also a healthy relationship with food. That is very sweet of you to say that because that weighs heavy on me is how I think every parent feels this way is how does their kid see their parents because I know the way I grew up I saw my mom diet and restrict and want to lose that weight before this wedding or whatever and I and my kids have seen me as try as subtle as I tried to be my kids have seen me diet and eat different foods we'd go out for pizza and I would order a salad do you know how terrible salads are at pizzerias? <laughs> terrible. Awful. It's just chunks of iceberg lettuce. And I'm and loving watching exactly. them eat pizza. So I hope they see a different aspect. I'm eating what they're eating. Um, have they mentioned anything? Have they said, oh, wow, look, you're having this? Or, or like, have they mentioned anything? No, no, no. I think what they do see, what I do try to show them I'm proud of is, hey guys, I just deadlifted 110 pounds today. Yes, I love that. <laughs> and I'd that. say to my son, lay down, let me deadlift you. <laughs> so they, I want them to see this, the strength I've like flexed my yeah. biceps. Like I've never seen my arms look like this before. And I show them that aspect because I want them to see. 
and that you could, side. I love that. You could mm-hmm. also, you could, I know a lot of parents have expressed concern about their kids seeing them weigh food, right? Yeah. Uh, I, I do. I try to be a little discreet about that, well, to be honest. Well, here's the thing. This, it's not something that you have to be discreet about because it, I, the example I always use is like, well, do you get concerned when your kid sees you measuring something out for a recipe? No. Absolutely no, not. Because you're, no. all you're trying to do is figure out how what's the appropriate portion. Yeah. So I mean, you could say, hey, like, you, hey, do you, do you do you kids know why I I weigh this chicken out? Like, no, why? Because I'm trying to get strong as fuck, and I mm-hmm. need enough protein to fuel my muscle growth, and I, and I want to make sure I'm eating the proper amount of protein. Yeah. That's it. If yeah, you were I weighing w- your spinach, that would be a little different. That would right, not be okay. That does seem bizarre. <laughs> but like, hey, why do I why do I take weigh my this portion of my Greek yogurt? Because I I want to make sure I'm feeding my muscles enough so that they can actually grow and get stronger and recover. Mm-hmm. Now get down on the ground so I can deadlift you. Right. 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 Yeah. <laughs> right? It's like it's yeah. It's you're weighing and measuring your food for a recipe and you're weighing and measuring your food for calories, but it's all, it's all weighing and measuring your food. If you're saying, Oh, I need to do this to make sure that like I lose 10 pounds in the next two weeks. Cause like, I want to like, like look good on vacation fit in this dress. Yeah, no, that's, that's not good, but it's not the yeah. weighing and measuring that's the issue. It's, it's what you're doing and why you're doing it and how you're expressing it. Mm-hmm. It's, there's nothing wrong with weighing and measuring something right, right. And, and it's how you present it to them. That it is, that's how they internalize it. Yeah, yeah. It's it's like my other issue with parents when they're like, I I will never ever let my child step on the scale because the scale is evil. It's like, well, great. You're now telling your child that Mm -hmm. this inanimate object is evil. And when they go to the doctor or whenever they, they're now going to have a bad relationship with the scale. But what if when they stepped on the scale, you gave them a high five. You're like, great work. You're getting bigger. You're growing. That's awesome. Like now, you have removed that negative association with the scale and you're showing them, listen, it doesn't matter. It's just like, great job. Like, this is cool. We're just cra- yeah. tracking data. It's all about how it's presented. And mm-hmm. I, I don't want you to feel like you're doing anything bad. I really mean it when I say that I, I think your your kids are very lucky to have you there uh, and showing them what it means to be strong and to focus on strength and prioritizing that. And also mm-hmm. what it means to be aware of how much you're eating. It's important. Yeah, I think that's a big, part of their childhood is just being aware. I'm trying to teach them things like don't just eat out of the bag, portion it out, pour it into a bowl. I don't care the size of the portion, just pour it into a bowl. Yeah. So you're not just mindlessly eating. They pour it into a bowl, they take it to their room and I don't see them for a couple of hours. <laughs> but the point is they're not, they are try- I'm trying to get them to be more aware. Just not I love taking it. food as an absent so absent-mindedly we're very conscious about food in our house we eat dinner together we sit at the table like everything is seated and and mindful and yeah it's man parenting is hard (laughs) i can't even imagine i can't even imagine but i think from from what you've told me it sounds like you're doing a really great job i love that you're having (laughs) you have family dinners where you sit down like uh I didn't have much of that growing up and it's mm. always something that I like when I would go to a friend's house and they did it I was always like oh man this is so nice like yeah. it's it's really 
it's really something that, that I want to have in the future and that I always wanted growing up. Um, and so the fact that you're doing that, like it really, I, I it sounds like you're, you're really doing a wonderful job. We try. So <laughs> when I think about my future and I think about maybe, maybe I've answered my own question here and I think about like weighing myself every day, again, do I have to wean myself off of that? But I guess it has no emotional effect on me. I could do this forever. If I let really, me, let's, say, let's say the scale spikes up two pounds tomorrow. What what happens? I would just think about the night before. Oh yeah, we had popcorn right before bed. I had a lot of carbs right before we went to bed. So that's all I would chalk it up to. What, what, if, what if you didn't? What if there you didn't eat anything weird? And what okay, if like, let's say, a, right. like, yeah, what happens? What, what emotion? I had a normal night. Meh, <laughs> I still, I don't know. I'd still just, let's wait this out. I'm sure it'll settle down. Perfect. Yeah, I yeah. don't, I really don't freak out over that because we've gone on vacation and I've seen it spike when we come back and it takes, you know, takes like a week or two to settle back down again. But I, it, I think I've had to just trust the process and I've just, we've had to say that so many times, just trust the process Yeah, and that works. And there's nothing wrong with stepping on the scale consistently. It's actually, the research is pretty overwhelmingly clear that you don't have to step on the scale, but by and large, the people who check their weight on a regular basis have a much easier time maintaining a healthier weight and body mm -hmm. composition. It's like, well, shocker, because they're aware of it. And if they ended they like went on vacation, whatever it is, most people they'll avoid it and they, they won't look at it. And they'll often be like, oh, they think they screwed up and they'll just keep sort of going down this rabbit hole of just of perpetuating the issue. But when you get back from vacation, whatever it is, you step on the scale. All right, cool. Put on a few pounds. Awesome. Right back on track because it's most people, you know, they're going to start a diet when they, okay, I got to just look, I got to look at the scale, see what the day yeah. is. That's what they do. But what if instead of marking the start of a diet as stepping on the scale, what if you just stepped on the scale on a regular basis? So you just you have tabs on it, and now it's not something that marks the beginning of a diet. It just that's part of your daily routine. Like, I think the same might be true for taking measurements. Yeah, like I, I take them every two weeks, and if I maybe stop doing that, I'm afraid I'm going to miss something because there are too many times that the scale didn't move. But the inches did, and thank goodness I took those measurements, or else I would be really worried about what am I doing? What am I doing wrong? Why is this still yeah. not moving? I so would I say, think, uh, yeah, sticking with those routines might, yeah. I, yeah. I think more data is better. I do. Um, mm -hmm. I'll say, if you have aesthetic-based goals, taking your measurements is super helpful. Yeah. Um, I'm not, I don't take my measurements just because I, I'm not trying to work on my aesthetics. Right. I, like I'm, I'm focused right now on jujitsu and my performance. So I probably wouldn't even really see much of a change if any. Um, but anytime someone has an aesthetic based goal, I think taking measurements is super important because you can get real hard data on how your body is changing. You can mm -hmm. see that. Uh, so it, for me, taking measurements wouldn't make sense just because I'm, that's not something I'm trying to focus on. But I, if I was, then I would absolutely take measurements. Yeah. And I'm, again, I'm so glad I started doing that because even if the scale didn't move for those two weeks, my measurements did. 
And then two weeks later, my measurements don't change, yet the scale did. So I have lots of resources of data to actually see. That's success. perfect. Mm -hmm. Terry Ann, you're crushing it. You're, you're oh, really on man. Trust the process. You're killing Trust it. Trust the process, yeah. <laughs> and I know we talk about building habits, but for me, there's a fine line between routine and habits. I can't say any of these are habits yet. Like they're just, it's, it's a routine. I get up in the morning and I weigh myself and I go to the gym and I do my, it's a routine. But at any time, I, I could probably talk myself out of a workout at any time. It's not <laughs> yeah. a habit. It's not a habit, but there's that, that motivation. It there's, there's, it's so fleeting that I just do it even when I don't want to. So that's another mantra that I've just said in my head those mornings I get up, I'm just so tired. And I think do it, even though you don't want to just do it. And I haven't missed one yet. So you're a badass. <laughs> yeah. You are badass. I love that. You're, you're so, very, very inspirational. I hope you know that. Oh man. Well, others have inspired me and even more so in this inner circle community. I mean, these people, I, it's amazing what some, some members are going through what they've gone through. I mean, the, whether it's amazing fat loss and transformations or gain, trying to gain muscle or weight or battling eating disorders or mental health struggles. It's just, they're all beautiful people. Just amazing. I've been in so many groups on Facebook that I've had to duck out of because they're just <laughs> so, oh, they're terrible. But this one has just been the most mentally healthy, supportive, knowledgeable, lovely people. I've been blown away. It's something that Susan and I talk about every day. It never ceases to amaze us how supportive and encouraging everybody is. And, mm -hmm. and everyone from complete brand new beginners to very advanced higher level coaches and athletes. It's, it's really an extraordinary community. And I hope, you know, Susan and I and everybody really appreciates you in there and, and, uh, and everything that you bring to it. And it's always great when I see you on a live, like I, mm -hmm. I, I love it. I really, really, it means a lot. And I really appreciate you taking the time to, to hop on here and speak yeah. with me. And is, is, and if it's a no, that's totally fine. Um, do you have a, a social media handle you'd like, if, if anyone was like, Oh, I really like to message her. Like, do you, do you have that? Or, or if you'd prefer to remain private, that's fine as well. Well, it's fine. My, I don't post a lot on, um, Instagram, but my handle is Dugas Terry, D-U-G-A-S-T-E-R-R-I. And I go by Terry Ann in the Facebook group. That's my Facebook name. That's why, that's how you would recognize me. And that's why I went by Terry Ann. But that's my Instagram handle. You won't find much. It's, <laughs> I don't post much on there at all. If it is, it's, hey, it was my vacation this week. That's about it. <laughs> if you want to send me a shout out or message or whatever, would love to. But I, yeah, there's a couple of people that we've engaged outside of, um, the Facebook group because we, we found something in common or we just find that support outside of the Facebook That's group. Awesome. So mm -hmm. yeah, really that. lovely. Well, Terry Ann, thank you so much. You're amazing. I really appreciate you hopping on. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you for your time. Of course, of course, please, please, please keep in touch. I hope I'll see you on my live on Monday yep. and, uh, and thank you. Have a wonderful evening. I'll talk to you soon. Okay. Yeah. You too. Take care. Bye. Bye.
That wraps it up for this podcast. Terry Ann, thank you so much for coming on. It was incredible to get to talk with you. And for everyone listening, if you haven't joined the Inner Circle yet, do it. Link in the show notes, sfinnercircle.com. I'd love to see you in there. Have a wonderful day, and I'll talk to you soon.